checking out Real Talk Personal Finance. Shit's about to get real. Cashflow King with you today. And today in episode 51, where's the cash flow? Thanks so much for checking out the show. Happy birthday, America. Happy 4th of July. Recording this the morning of July 4th, 2023. Depending on when you listen to this, is probably going to be after that. But just want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. I noticed a lot of other podcasts have come out with episodes talking about happy financial independence day, and then they do an episode about financial independence. And I thought about doing that, but there was something more pressing I wanted to put out, so that's on the back burner for now. But today's episode is going to be about where's the cash flow, and you'll see where that's going. I have a whole bunch of bullet points that I'd like to talk about. Before we get into that, though, I have some very important shout outs. We have three new subscribers. Thank you so, so much for subscribing to the show. We really, truly appreciate it. I want to give a special shout out to Christopher H. O Dog, who I think all of you know. He's been a guest on the show and he's decided to become a premium subscriber. So feel free to go back and check out the episode on real estate syndications with Odog. By the way, I think we will be doing another one at some point, probably in the distant future. We want to see how a few different deals unfold and come full circle. But I do want to bring him back on to talk to you guys about that and kind of see how things have gone once those operators and syndicators have taken things full cycle. So we have Odog as a new subscriber. And then finally, we have Michael W. Michael W. So Christopher H., Odog, and Michael W. are our three newest premium, premium subscribers to the podcast. If you want to check that out for yourself, feel free to go into the show notes and click on a link that says become a premium subscriber today. It will bring you to a landing page which allows you to select your subscription amount. It will also give you the benefits of becoming a premium subscriber on the right hand side. If you're doing it on a mobile phone and you're holding it vertically up and down, you may not see it. So you may have to flip your phone horizontally if you're using an iPhone or just do it on a computer and you will see those different bullet points there. And there's also a podcast we did, I think it's called Are You Premium? So feel free to go back if you want to just do it in audio format and listen to the different benefits that the premium subscription provides. Pricing has changed. Uh, It is now $5 a month to become a premium subscriber. We hope you check it out. So it's been a little while since we put out an episode. I've been doing a little bit of traveling. I'm actually going to be going out to Vegas this coming weekend. So any listeners out in the Vegas area, feel free to hit up the show, realtalkpersonalfinance at gmail.com. Maybe we'll get together and grab a beer on us. And so it's been a little bit since we put out an episode, and I wanted to go ahead and get something out for you guys. I wanted to wish everybody a happy 4th of July, and there's something that has happened relatively recently that's kind of been on my mind, and I thought it would be important to revisit and talk about, so that's what we're going to focus on on today's show. Last thing I'll mention, for those of you that are already premium subscribers or that become premium subscribers, we will have our quarterly e-newsletter that's going to be coming out. Again, that is spearheaded by Cube Crusher, and so I know he's working on that right now for last quarter. All right. So let's get into today's episode. Where's the cash flow? What the hell am I talking about? Well, you might remember I did an episode some time ago talking about a deal that I bought that, quite frankly, in hindsight, may have been a mistake, or at least I thought it may have been a mistake at the time, and ultimately time will tell how that unfolds. I think 
the more I think about things when it comes to investing that in Cube Crusher and I did an episode way back on cash flow investing versus growth investing, which I think is a, is a really good one, probably one of our most popular episodes on the podcast. So if you haven't checked that out, feel free to go back and listen to it. It's a really fun one. But depending on what somebody's goals are, plays a big role in what they may or may not invest in and what may or may not make sense for their particular situation. And I'll give you an example here in a little bit and dive further into this. I actually have a couple of quotes from a couple of people that are pretty close to me that seemingly are conflicting, but technically I think they're both correct. So what I talked about in that other episode was a deal that I purchased. It was a turnkey single family rental. And again, my goal primarily at this particular stage is more cash flow oriented, right? And I do have, you know, many different types of investments and I'm not on here to gloat or anything like that. But when it comes to the real estate stuff, the reason that I decided to start investing in different types of real estate, number one was to have something that's pretty much non-correlated or seemingly non-correlated to the stock market types of investments that I've historically done and continue to do somewhat to this day. And number two, to have some investments that would produce cash flow that I could benefit from today and in the future, not just investments that I would need to wait and use in my older age. And so that was kind of the driving force behind what I decided to invest in. And so <clears throat> I happened to come across a deal. This is roughly about a year ago. So it's a pretty timely reevaluation period because I was faced with pretty much the same identical decision here recently. And I had to make a different decision where I walked away, but I decided to go for it. And the particular deal that I purchased about a year ago, you know, interest rates, as everybody knows, have come up quite a bit. And the interest rate on that particular mortgage for that property was in the sixes and the low sixes. And I believe it was 6.375. And I thought to myself, I'm either a hero or an idiot. You know, rates had started to come up, wasn't sure where they were going to go long term and ended up doing some interesting things to come up with the down payment for that property. And long story long, it's doing just fine, actually. So part of the reason I was comfortable with it, well, there's a lot of reasons, but the operator, the provider that I use for the majority of our homes has been around for over 20 years. They do a fantastic job. They have a great team. And usually when you go down the laundry list, the property is pretty much the least important of all the different things. And I know that sounds probably counterintuitive to many of you, but that's kind of the way that it goes, right? You want to pick, you know, what's your investment style, your investment philosophy. This is kind of stemming from the real estate guys. I can't really take credit for this, but according to the gentleman over at the real estate guys, you want to start with your personal investor philosophy, right? Then you want to focus on the market. Then you want to focus on the team. And then finally, you want to focus on the property being the fourth last and least important metric or checkpoint. So that's one of the reasons that I was sort of comfortable with it. And they have a one year sort of maintenance guarantee among some other things where if anything were to break or any repairs were to be needed, the provider would cover that for the first year. So you don't really have to worry about any big ticket items. All their properties are pretty much fully rehabbed. They're turnkey ready to go. All the major components are replaced. You don't have to worry about replacing an HVAC you know, two months into owning the thing. So I decided to go ahead and go for it, thinking that rents will eventually catch up over time. I can always refinance if rates go down, yada, 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 you know, different ways that real estate pays you and sort of as a, a longer term perspective. And I think ultimately, and others have said this too, that real estate can be very forgiving. And so even if you pay a little bit too much or something like that, ultimately over time, 
you're probably going to end up just fine as long as you can continue to hold on to and control the property and you know your debt service is able to be covered and you have ample reserves and all those sorts of things. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, this will be fine. So I put it into the portfolio. That one particular deal is in terms of the cash flow did not meet my personal standards in terms of what I would like to have seen. But I figured, well, the lack of cash flow from this particular property can be absorbed by the ones that are doing a little bit better. And when you look at it holistically as a portfolio, everything will be just fine. And that's still kind of sort of the case. But then if you think about scalability, how many of those things could you put in your portfolio until it gets diluted to the point where it's not producing the numbers that you want and you can't continue to do that in perpetuity and it just doesn't make sense anymore. So I bought the thing, you know, it provides a very minuscule amount of cash flow. I thought rents would catch up over time and they very well may, right? A one year look back is not nearly long term, but looking at this particular resident decided to renew, which is great. I happened to contact the provider, the property management division and asked them if he'd be renewing and whether or not they thought a rental increase was in order. And they basically wrote back and said that generally speaking, they don't like to raise the rent on the first renewal. He will be staying. The rental rate will be the same for the second year. However, they'll look to evaluate, you know, in the coming years when next renewal comes around, whether or not a rental adjustment or increase is in order. And that's totally fine. But honestly, we have raised the rent on the initial renewal at times and other times we haven't. So I could go either way with that one. But that property now, the one year maintenance guarantee, if you will, is now gone. And so anything that comes up with that property will need to be paid for. And there is minuscule cash flow left over to cover any of those incidental repairs. Don't worry. I'm not expecting anybody to feel bad for me. We're going to be fine. We got reserves and we got other properties and it's all good. But that is not the type of deal that I need in the short term. And so why do I spend the first fucking 10 minutes of this podcast talking about this? And the answer is, if my goal for the real estate investments primarily, you can have multiple goals, but if it was primarily for long-term wealth building, and some people would argue that that's what it should be for, but in my particular case, that's not why I started. If it was for long-term wealth building, then none of this would matter. In fact, people would even sometimes make an argument that if you buy in a particular market and there's potential for appreciation, even if you're breaking even or have slightly negative cash flow, as long as you can support that, that it still can be a good investment. Other people, myself included, would argue that if it doesn't cash flow, you probably don't want it, even if it cash flows just a little bit, right? So from a long-term perspective, when you look at everything, and we've talked about the ideal real estate investment before, right? You have income, depreciation in terms of tax benefits. You have equity growth from the principal pay down. You have the potential for appreciation. And then you have inflation profiting through leverage if you're using financing, specifically long-term fixed interest rate financing. All those things are there, but they do take their time to run their course. And so if I was looking at it from a long-term standpoint, I would say, yeah, this deal's fine. I don't know that I would call it a home run, but it's doing what it's supposed to do. I want all those things, but to me personally, in terms of my personal investment philosophy, all that stuff is secondary. My initial and primary focus is cash flow because I want more flexibility now. And I, as I've mentioned before, am sort of part of the financial independence, retire early community, if you will. I'm not nearly as extreme is a lot of those people, but I do believe in having the ability to become job optional at a fairly early age. So from that standpoint, with cash flow is my primary goal, I actually don't think that it was a good deal. And I 
pretty much came out in the podcast and said that and said that I wouldn't buy it again if I was faced with the opportunity again. So one year later, here we are, and we had come up on the list with this particular provider, and they basically said, hey, you guys have seen over 100 different deals. You haven't done anything yet. Are you still interested? Is the timing still right? What do you want to do? And it was a tough decision because we looked at the price to rent ratios, very similar to where they were at a year ago. Rents have come up a little bit, but they're not coming up nearly as quickly as the purchase prices are coming up, even though this provider has, at least they like to say that they've lowered their prices, you know, just a little bit here in recent times versus maybe a year ago. And depending on the deals you're looking at, the certain zip codes, you can make the argument that maybe that's true. But at the end of the day, it would be buying a repeat deal of what I already purchased. And surprisingly, the rates on an investment loan, which seems almost counterintuitive, is actually less than what some people would be paying right now for the purchase of a primary residence. So there's some people that might be paying in the sevens for a primary residence. And generally speaking, investment loans are about 1% or 100 basis points higher than that. And of course, you can always buy rates down and shit like that. But that's normally where they are. And what I've noticed this time around talking to our loan officer is that we could actually still be in the mid sixes. In fact, we could get down to probably right around 6% with some points, but in the mid sixes with a 25% down payment. Normally we would do 20%. So now I'm having to put more cash down, buried under the house, into the deal. I have interest rate financing that's pretty much similar to a year ago. I would have another property that is producing minimal cash flow. And again, start to skew the portfolio towards something that just doesn't make sense for where we're trying to go. So as hard as it was, we decided to walk away and say, hey, go ahead and recycle us on the list. The numbers don't pencil for us right now. We'll take a look here in a little bit and, you know, we'll, we'll circle back on the next round. And so we're out. And it sucks, kind of. But when I look at that, you know, I mean, literally, I could take the down payment and closing cost money. And this is short-sighted, but just hear me out. I could take the down payment and closing cost money, stick it in a fucking savings account at 5% right now, and earn right around the same, maybe a little bit more, then I would be cash flowing on that particular property after all expenses, debt service, property management fee, the whole nine yards is done. But the biggest thing is, as Cube Crusher always likes to talk about, and I like to disagree with him sometimes, but other times I, I would agree that it is important, is you have to have some liquidity for life because life happens, right? So I could bury everything under the property, generate a minimal amount of cash flow with the goal of long-term wealth building, which would probably work out just fine, but that doesn't help get me to my short-term goal, which is cash flow now. And so I've decided to take a pass, have that cash basically sitting, earning 5%. Those of you that are premium subscribers know exactly where that cash probably is. We sent out a cash flow king's favorites with some different places and promotions and stuff going on for different types of accounts. <clears throat> so if you're a premium subscriber, you already know. If you're not, you might want to consider it because we send out cool shit like that from time to time. But anyway... I now have the ability to be liquid and potentially deploy that capital into something else that might help me meet my shorter term goal of producing cash flow because it's certainly not there, at least in the market that I'm looking in with the provider that I'm used to working with right now, which is considered by many to be the number one cash flow market in the country, according to Forbes back in the day. So anyway, that's a little bit where that is. So unfortunately, I, I, I guess I learned from my last purchase and it sucks and I love the team and I want to continue to add to the portfolio, which just doesn't make sense right now. So another deal bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. 
All right. So why the fuck do you care about what I'm talking about? I think it's a good time to revisit where our goals are, right? We might have some short-term goals and we might have some long-term goals. And sometimes those can be seemingly conflicting. And I think it's important to figure out where you are, what you're trying to do, and then invest accordingly, right? Most of us, myself included, initially start with a long-term perspective, right? Somebody wants to invest for retirement. Well, they can do that a lot of different ways, but they might start with your standard types of retirement plans, and that money will generally have a longer-term horizon, and you invest accordingly. But we don't typically hear as often some of the shorter-term and even medium-term investment goals and how that can shift things a little bit. Not to say you couldn't use similar types of investments. I guess theoretically you could. You might structure them a little bit differently and have an asset allocation that's a little bit different potentially. But you want to make sure that you're looking at goals. So I have two quotes, one from somebody that you guys all know, one from somebody that's a premium subscriber, but you have not heard from him. And this is right around the same time, and I was hemming and hawing and talking about it. And one of them, Cube Crusher, said to me, you can't force a bad deal. You just kind of said it very much in passing, kind of like no big deal. You can't force a bad deal. And it kind of resonated with me because I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. Now, some people out there would say, well, you can find the property yourself and you could do the work yourself and you can burr and you can do that. Da, 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 da. That doesn't fit my personal investment philosophy. That's not what I'm interested in doing. So I'm just looking for stuff that's passive. And naturally, the returns are generally going to be a little bit less. And I'm OK with that. But in this particular case, relative to where they were a few years ago, they're significantly less. And I'm not OK with that. So his point, I would say that he's correct. You cannot force, you can't force a bad deal. I have another friend who, again, is a premium subscriber. And I was talking about this with him one night at dinner. And he said, you know, it's never a bad idea to buy property. And he's right. They're both right. You can't force a bad deal. That sort of resonates with, well, your goal is cash flow. It's not there. Fuck it. Walk away. But my other buddy that's saying it's never a bad idea to buy property is also correct. Now, in the short term, it may not meet my goal, but he's probably looking at it from a long-term perspective where if you look at owning and holding real estate over decades, it is probably a good idea. It will probably work out. Ultimately, the cash flow will probably be there. It just might not be there today, but his goals might be different. He might be looking at longer-term wealth building because he may not need the cash flow or want the cash flow right now in the short term. So I just thought it was interesting talking to two people that are pretty close to me and how they have different perspectives. And I'm probably thinking about this way more than they ever have, but they're just looking at it through their lens, right? And potentially Cube Crusher maybe is looking at it through my lens because he knows I'm all about cash flow. But it's kind of like one person says, yeah, can't force a bad deal, whatever. And the other person says, yeah, it's never a bad idea to buy property. And I think I would argue that they're both correct. So I thought that was interesting. So where's the fucking cash flow, right? Depends on what you're trying to do and how much risk you're trying to take. We had a fund that was paying about 12%. When I say we, not us, we don't, we don't raise money, or at least right, not, not right now. That might be something I get into at some point someday when I get out of financial services or something. But we, we don't have a fund. But there was a fund that I invested in and a couple of us invested in that was paying you know, anywhere from 10 to 12%. There were a couple of different funds out there. And there's an element of risk with that. And we're seeing that right now. I think I talked about that a little bit on some previous episodes. I think I might have done a premium episode on one of them. And that's a fairly, or at least at the time when rates were super, super low, that's a fairly high return from a cash flow standpoint for something that's completely passive. And people can make an argument, well, you can make a lot more if you, again, are willing to do the work yourself, and I'm not. But I heard another podcast recently that was 
doing something interesting, talking about, and I'm going to do some research on this and report back. I don't know if I'll make it a premium episode or a general episode, but there's this syndication fund out there that basically deals with uh, small businesses' accounts receivables. And essentially, businesses are in a little bit of a cash crunch now for one reason or another, and they make loans to them at you know pretty advantageous rates, but the businesses are happy to pay it because they just need the cash in the short term. I thought that was an interesting opportunity, but I need to do a lot more digging into it. And chances are, ultimately, I'm going to give it a big fat no, because it sounds at the outset way riskier than something I'd be willing to do. And 12%, as good as it sounds, with that type of risk, it's probably not commensurate, right? You probably want a higher return for something that is seemingly so risky. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. And there's other, you know, things going on out there. I will probably put something out here in a little bit for the premium subscribers on some of the real estate syndications and funds that are still paying reasonable yields right now and why I like them or not. So that that'll be coming out at some point probably this quarter on Cashflow King's favorite. So premium subscribers be on the lookout for that. But there's different opportunities out there depending on what your goals are, but right now when it comes to single family rentals, specifically turnkey rentals, I really got to scratch my head and ask where's the cash flow. Who knows what's going to happen, right? We got the Fed meeting that's going to be coming up later this month. There's the likelihood that they may raise rates again, which ultimately and eventually will trickle down to the mortgage market, which means that financing may become even more expensive. You got different people talking about, are we in a recession or not? Are we going into a recession or not? And so I guess the biggest takeaway from me is, you know, to Cube's point, you can't force the deal, but at the same time, liquidity is very important, especially in an environment like this where things are changing. There's a lot of uncertainty. And the biggest reason is if the investment does not meet the goals that you have and what you're trying to do, then probably goes without saying you probably shouldn't invest. Not advice. Again, we don't give any advice on the show. This is all for entertainment and educational purposes only. Always seek your own professional for your own advice. But I wanted to put something out real quick. That's what's been on my mind lately. I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit, especially because I heard this particular provider on another podcast recently, and it just reminded me of all the good things that they actually do and all the properties that we have with them that are actually doing well. And I thought, man, I probably should have just bought that thing, and I've kind of been kicking myself. But I guess this is a form of therapy for me to come out here on the podcast and just reinforce my decision and compare it to where I was at last year and kind of where things are now and take a look at it and say, you know, it probably is the right decision. And I don't know where this quote's from, but I had a boss way back in the day when I was in college that always used to say, good decision, bad decision is always better than no decision. So the decision is take a pass, still looking out there. Where's the cash flow? Where are you getting your cash flow? If you're a cash flow investor, you know, feel free to write the show, realtalkpersonalfinance at gmail.com. Love to talk about it. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it. If you got something interesting like the, uh, the business syndication at 12% that's going on. Maybe we'll get you on the show or maybe we'll talk about it on the show, see what the hell's going on. But uh, people are definitely getting creative these days in terms of how to try to generate cash flow. And I can say, at least at the moment, I don't think, at least for me, it's in the single family rental space. All right. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Happy 4th of July. Once again, very special shout out to our three newest subscribers, Christopher H., O-Dog, and Michael W., thank you very much for becoming premium subscribers to the podcast. We really appreciate it. We will see you in the next episode. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys.